Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer City Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. To subscribe to the podcast, visit burningdogradio.com and click on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. We're in Romans chapter 7 today, Romans chapter 7 beginning in verse 1. Paul the Apostle, now really mirroring the teaching style of Christ himself when he taught on the earth, presents his point in illustration and in analogy. Paul, it seems, was quite unwilling to leave this issue with anything short of an absolute understanding and clarity on the part of the reader. So now he proceeds to draw a picture that all of his readers throughout time can clearly understand. Beginning in verse 1 we read, Or don't you know, brothers, for I speak to men who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man for as long as he lives. For the woman that has a husband is bound by law to the husband while he lives. But if the husband dies, she is discharged from the law of the husband. So then, if while the husband lives, she is joined to another man, she would be called an adulteress. But if the husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Now we need to understand that it is impossible to look to the following as a set of rules and regulations for our righteousness, and yet still feel that we are joined with Christ. To see the law as a path to our righteousness is not only an improbability, it's actually an impossibility, and that's what Paul is going to try to drive home here. Thus, if we have died spiritually, we are released then, according to Paul, from the obligations and condemnation of the Old Testament law, as well as any subsequent additions. For the law, you see, only has authority over the living. Paul now demonstrates herein that we are free because we have died. In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, Paul told us that, quote, Sin will not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace, end quote. Now he goes on to explain just how that freedom practically takes place. This relationship we have with the law is presented here through the picture of marriage. The woman in our account who is married is bound by law to her husband. Now in Paul's time, such a woman had no recourse and had no escape. None unless the old man, quote unquote, died. You see, if her husband dies, then she would be a free woman. She is then therefore released from the law of her husband. So the only way out was death. Now make no mistake, if we try to wed another while we're still married to the first, well, we're in trouble. Attempting that would only make us adulterers. We can't just add another husband to the mix. Now, this is why so often in Scripture, the issue of spiritual adultery is spoken of. When Jesus died on that cross, he not only brought us salvation and forgiveness and justification, but he brought us release from our marriage, if we can uh, use that term, to the rules 
and to the regulations. He literally died, and then we spiritually joined him in that death. He opened the gate, and we passed through. Verse 4 of our text says, Therefore, my brothers, you also were made dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you would be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might produce fruit to God. Now, if all of this sounds rather incredible and somewhat mind-boggling as far as a plan for man's redemption, you need to know indeed it is. No argument there. And moreover, if you are like so many who have received that gift of redemption, well, you might be asking yourself today, why? I mean, why would he do all this? Oh yes, indeed love was the strong motivator, but come on, I mean, he died after all, died. What was worth such a dramatic and costly expense? Well, verse four tells us the answer to that question says he died and he rose again, so, quote, we might produce fruit unto God, end quote. So while the gift of salvation is an awesome thing, an awesome gift, to stop there would be missing out on half the story. Because we clearly were saved for a purpose. And that purpose, according to this passage, and really others, was to, is to, bear fruit. But what is this fruit spoken of here and throughout Scripture? Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 say, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And then there's Galatians 5 that says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, the fruit that God seeks from us, the fruit that God seeks from us is the production, the manifest of the attributes, the service, the characteristics of Christ to be shared with the lost world. This fruit is both from God and is offered to God and his kingdom pursuits, all for his pleasing glory. That was a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer City Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. For more information on Pastor Tim Dodson or Believer City Church, visit BelieversTogether.com.